0: Well friends it is time now for us to come to the scriptures and it's a time for us to have a look at Matthew chapter 7 and uh, uh, we are going to be looking at all of chapter 7 as we have been if you'd like to get a copy of the service run sheet then uh, the place you need to go to get that is the same place you go to to get your questions answered and it 's there uh, it 's back to front when I see it on the screen, uh, but you can go there and get a copy of the service outline there uh, scan for the qr scan the q r code for our talk notes, and I trust that you'll be able to use them and fill in the blanks as we go in those well friends, uh, this last week, as I was uh, on Facebook, I came across a meme which said. There are so many scams on the internet nowadays. Send me nineteen ninety five and I will tell you how to avoid them. Uh, seems legit. Maybe not. We constantly are on guard for scams. Scams are everywhere. We get scam phone calls. Hello, this is Amazon Prime, you know, do you get that one? Or the tax office saying that you need to go and pay your tax using iTunes vouchers seems legit, or even an SMS going around that's saying, click here to get your vaccination certificate. I don't think so. Now, more than ever before, we need to be extra discerning about what information we decide to accept and believe. Because if we trust the wrong advice, we may lose more than just money. We may even lose lives. And I'm talking in particular about the misinformation that is spreading around about COVID-19 and in particular about vaccinations. Ever since I've been a child I've trusted doctors and medical staff. They've given me and my family the treatment options that I need and and they've told us the risks and then they've given us their recommendations. I can remember at one particular stage I said to a doctor, mate if it was your child what would you do? And he told me and I said Let's do that. Right now, the same medical experts that we trust for every other treatment are telling us, are urging us to get vaccinated. And I have no reason to doubt them. And what's more, I think that the most loving thing that we can do is to get as many people vaccinated as fast as possible so that the virus can stop spreading and so that lives can be saved and we can return back to normal as soon as possible. But will you believe me? Will you believe them? Who will you believe? It requires a great deal of discernment, doesn't it? And the same applies to what we believe about God, Jesus and the Bible. The same wonderful internet that enables us to have real-time video calls with people around our village and valley of Jamboree, and in fact all around the world, that same technology enables us to hear preachers spread truths and lies about the Bible. Just because someone's on YouTube doesn't mean they should be trusted. Because when we watch and listen and follow the teaching of any preacher, we need to be very careful. And I want to say, Friends, be very careful when you follow an online preacher because they may be spreading lies that will deceive you and will lead you astray. If they're saying things that are different to what I'm preaching or what other trusted preachers are preaching, then you need to decide which truth you will believe. And you need to test what they say as you need to test what I say each week. And this is why we have a question and answer time each week. Uh, you get to ask your questions about all sorts of different things, but it's also an opportunity for you to test prophecies, for you to say, are you sure? Or prove it, or I think you got that wrong. And some of you, even at the door, as we were when we were together in the one room or, or online, you say, are you sure? And I appreciate that because it's the right thing to do. I don't like saying wrong things, but sometimes I do and sometimes I have. And as I accidentally do so, or or do so thinking I was saying the right thing, but someone says, if you realise that bit, it's like, oops, I get a chance to come back and say to you, I'm sorry, and here's the truth. We need to be very careful what we believe, especially at these times. If you're listening to a preacher online who says different things to what you have been taught in your church for years, then beware, because they may lead you astray. And if you're led astray, the consequences are eternal. This is the theme of Matthew chapter 7 in Matthew's Gospel. It's the third of the three chapters of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, And in the end, it's a call for God's people to be discerning, to judge carefully, to trust wisely. Uh, Like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, it is spoken primarily to Jesus' disciples, his chosen people, who represent the final generation of the Old Testament, the Old Testament Jews right there. They represent faithful Israel, God's people who have waited for the day when Messiah would come. And now he's come. He is speaking to them about what it means for his kingdom to come. And in this final chapter of the three, he tells us to be discerning, to judge carefully. And he starts by telling his believers to judge themselves first. Verse one says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. It's the famous verse of Jesus, Judge not, lest you be judged. And more often than not, it's misunderstood and misused. Because Jesus can't be saying, Don't be discerning. And he can't be saying, Don't decide if someone is speaking the right words or acting the right way. Because only a few verses later, which we'll come to soon, he says, Don't throw your pearls to pigs. And he says, Beware of false prophets. How do you work out who's a pig? And how do you work out who's a false prophet if you can't actually make judgments? Jesus wants us to make judgments. He wants us to judge, but he doesn't want us to be judgmental. And he doesn't want us to be hypocritical. And so right off the bat, he begins to teach us to be discerning. And in doing so, he says, we need to avoid being judgmental. Verse 1 again and verse 2, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. The way that God and others will judge us will depend on how we judge, how we discern, and how we do that for others. Our standard in judging others needs to be the same as the standard we use to judge ourselves. So if you're going to criticise other people's behaviour, you better be sure that you care about your own behaviour just as much. Which leads us to the next two verses, three and four. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? I'm assuming that when Jesus said this, People would have had a good laugh, (laughs) and rightly so. You can just imagine it. There you are with this massive log in your eye, trying to look down to see the speck in somebody else's eye. It's laughable. It's stupid. It's silly. It's funny. But people do this kind of thing all the time. I'm sure you can see others doing it, and they're probably seeing you do it as well. It's stupid. It's ugly. It's wrong. And that's why Jesus says in verse 5, hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus wants people in his kingdom, his followers, to recognise their own inadequacies. They want them to see their own faults, so that they don't look two-faced hypocrites to others. Jesus wants his followers to avoid hypocrisy. But this is true also of Israel more generally. Jesus wants the people of Israel as a whole to recognise their own faults, their own inability to truly follow God's word, their own failure to faithfully follow the Lord. He wants them at this particular time in history, around about AD 30, to recognise their own deep need to be saved from their own failures. Rather than prancing around and saying, oh, look how religious I am, look how good I am. Jesus wants them to stop and to see how much they've failed to truly follow the Lord and how desperately they need to personally follow the Messiah. This was a message to the Israelites as they sat before Jesus. But it's also a message we need to hear. Well, then having warned others to discern themselves first, he then tells them to judge others. Verse 6. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Uh, Literally, it says, don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Dogs and pigs were both unclean animals back then, literally and religiously. Uh, Our dogs are a little bit cleaner, although they do smell still. But the point is in this, they were both unclean animals And Jesus says, don't give holy teaching to those who will brutally reject it. Don't teach the gospel to those who will aggressively reject it. It's not saying we shouldn't share the good news of Jesus with people who don't believe in him yet. Or that the only people who will get evangelised are those who are nice and compliant. But it is saying that we should be discerning when we speak of the gospel in in, in contexts that are aggressively against Jesus. Because in the end, all they'll do is trample the beautiful gospel of Jesus under their feet as well. But instead, they should be people who accept the pearls of the gospel and enjoy the hope that comes from truly knowing the Messiah. Verses 7 and 8. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is speaking to those who are searching for the truth. He's not speaking to the pigs or the dogs who want to smash the truth, but those who long for the truth. And he says to them, Ask, seek, knock. And God will open the door to his kingdom. It's a special message to the last people of the Old Testament as they see the coming of the Messiah. But it is also to people who live this side of the cross in history as we do. It's a message to us as well. All we need to do, all you need to do is knock and the Lord will open the door to him. Do you want to be in the kingdom of God? You want to be in his kingdom? Then you just need to ask. To join God's kingdom, you simply need to ask. And you can know that God will give you the good gifts that come from being in his kingdom. Verses 9 to 11. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? It's a bit funny. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. (laughs) So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, Jesus used humour, didn't he? <laughs> you can just imagine. Hey, can I have a slice of bread? Yeah, have a rock. Yeah, thanks. Or oh, I'd love a bit of fish. You know, a bit of fish and chips? Yeah, have some snake and chips. Ah, you know, maybe. What he's saying there is if even bad parents don't give rocks and snakes to their kids then well surely our father in heaven won't he will give us even greater things and he will let us into his kingdom and he'll receive and we will receive from him the gift of eternal life and so i've got to ask you again have you asked him have you asked him to be in your kingdom if you haven't yet or you're not quite sure And I tell you what, I'm going to help you in a little while, just a few minutes time, to come to God and say, can I be a part of your kingdom? Why don't you start thinking about whether or not you'd like to do that in just a little while? Because if you haven't yet, you really should. But for now, hear this clear statement. Ask, seek, knock, and your heavenly Father will give you the gift of the kingdom. Well, the next verse from Jesus is, it must be in the top 10 of his famous verses, his famous sayings. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The the version that's known better is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Have you heard that before? It's the so-called golden rule. It's a great way of thinking about life and love for others. It's about thinking of the needs of others and doing what you'd want them to do for you. But specifically, it's the second half of the verse that really matters here, because what it shows us is that this simple radical ethic is the summary of the whole of the Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets, all the Old Testament is summarized in the golden rule, which is great. But the key is that the Messiah, God's King, is showing that a fulfilment of the Old Testament can be found in simple other person centeredness. Radical other person centeredness, radical servanthood is what God is ultimately about. And this should change, should shape our thinking about everything. But this kingdom life, following the fulfilled law and the prophets, is what life should be like in God's kingdom. We've been told to knock on that door to the kingdom and that our heavenly father will open it to us. But we're now to be told that it's actually a hard thing to do. Verse 13a says you can only enter kingdom God's kingdom through the narrow gate. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. He'll open the gate... But it's a tight squeeze. It's the difficult route. It's tight and difficult and challenging and hard. Sounds pretty different to many preachers today. Especially those who end up on TV with expensive suits or expensive sneakers. Join our church and you'll be healthy and wealthy and happy. How do you reckon that matches up with what Jesus just said? In fact, here's how he puts it, verse thirteen B fourteen. He says, The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few will ever find it. And so if someone tells you that the road to heaven is wide and simple and easy, and that when you enter it, you'll have your best life now, then watch out. Because Jesus said the road to life is narrow, it is difficult, and only a few will find it. And so, if the road that is, if the road to life is narrow and difficult, then the message that promotes it will also be hard. Following Jesus is hard; it's supposed to be difficult. It's hard because the gateway. To life is narrow and difficult. If you want to follow Jesus, you should be ready to follow him to the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus will say later in the gospel. It's exactly what his followers will end up doing after his death, being persecuted for trusting in him. If someone has told you to come to Jesus so that you'll be healthy and wealthy and happy then you've been sold a lie. Nobody in Afghanistan has turned from Islam to Christ so that they'll have a nice, happy life. In fact, right now, these brothers and sisters are being martyred. Right now. What makes you think that being a follower of Christ in Australia should be any different? Well, one of the reasons that people do think that following Jesus is the easy road is that there are some people who preach lies about God, Jesus, and the Bible. Some of them do it out of ignorance. Some do it out of personal gain. And so Jesus warns us against them. He says, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They all look nice and gentle with nice words and nice promises, but they're like a wolf or a fox that devours the sheep. Jesus says that we need to be discerning of our teachers. We need to be alert against scams on the internet Especially preachers who say things that seem Christian but are actually false. But how do we pick them? Jesus says, verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Can you pick figs from thistles? (laughs) No. A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. See, we test teachers by the fruit that they produce. Good fruit makes good, good trees make good fruit. Bad trees make bad fruit. Good teachers bring about good outcomes from their teaching. And bad teachers bring about bad outcomes. From their teaching. Friends, the truth really does matter. There is such a thing as right and wrong. We're not just a bunch of people making up fairy tales. If two teachers disagree on their teaching about God, Jesus and the Bible, then one of them is wrong. This is why the truth really does matter. And even more with all of this is verse 19. For we read that judgment is coming. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. When a false prophet teaches false things, they will face judgment from God. But sadly, they will cause hurt and harm to others, which will be seen by their actions. Verse 20. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. So you can identify people by their actions. But Jesus turns up the warning a notch. And he says, verse 21, Not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Jesus is saying that there will be some teachers and preachers who appear to be on God's side but are actually not. They say, Lord, Lord, but they don't actually know him and they don't truly follow him. They need to actually do our heavenly father's will, not just talk about him. And Jesus repeats this with an extra sting. Verse 22, he says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Jesus says, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. These false teachers will do miraculous things in the name of the Lord, and yet they broke God's laws, and they will be rejected by God himself. These leaders and preachers may have been teaching Old Testament truths of the past, perhaps even truthfully. But because they didn't know God personally, because they didn't recognise Jesus as the Messiah, they won't know the Father. See, not all preachers actually know the Father. And because their heart didn't match their tongue, they weren't even known by God. That is why we need to be extra discerning. And if you can't see the fruit of a teacher, then be extra careful. I think this is a reminder of why it is really good to be taught by your own pastor, not someone who is on a video or an audio recording somewhere around the world. Now, I do see the irony of this, that that you're watching this, through the internet I get that I get that but if you're part of another church then you've got to listen to the pastor of your church because you can see what he's like you can see his fruit you can see if he's just saying stuff but he doesn't actually know Jesus I'm so that so pleased that you've joined us tonight if you're not part of a church and you've come along then then we'd love you to have it have this as your church but if you're part of another church make sure you're listening to your pastor he's the one Because the thing is that you who are in this church get to scrutinise me. When I accepted the invitation to be your pastor, I chose to be open to scrutiny. When I was ordained as a minister, I, I said I was up for this. I chose to live in a glass bowl. And I did that because I want you to see the fruit of my teaching. I want you to see the fruit of my teaching through my life and how I engage with our church community and more widely. The problem is that when you get your teaching from a downloaded talk then you don't get to know the actual teacher and his words are separated from his life. Now I'm not saying that everyone who preaches on the internet is a false prophet of course and there are wonderful fine preachers on the internet and I enjoy listening to them as well but Do you hear the warning in the midst of this? Because the problem is that if someone on the internet is a false prophet, it's harder to spot them, at least in the short term, until the longer term damage is seen. But having heard all these warnings about the need to be so discerning, Jesus now tells his disciples what the wise person will do. And as he taught his first disciples in the closing days of the Old Testament, he also tells us too who live on this side of the history this side of the death and resurrection and ascension of our lord jesus verse 24 he says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on the solid rock jesus invites his hearers to follow his teaching don't just listen to it and examine it and consider it i mean do those things but Don't stop there. You need to follow it. And that's why what he tells us is truly wise. Because he says that if you do this, you will be like the wise person who builds his house on a solid rock, like rain and Ezra sang just before. Verse 25. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Yeah, they're wise words in life, but he's actually talking about his own words. Not just listening and agreeing, but actually believing them and obeying them. Because when you built your life on the solid rock, the rains come, the floods come, the winds come, but the house stands firm. But you can see why some people might not want to build their house on the rock. Maybe they've got a spot that they they think it's really lovely. It's nice and close to the beach. It's got a really great view. It's a beautiful location. It's easiest to build there. It's simple access for the builders. The driveway is nice and close to the road. It's perfect. But the weather comes in. The floods come. The rains come. The winds come and you're in a whole world of pain just like this verse 26 27 if anyone who doesn't anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash that's what happens when you build your life on the sand it's going to end up in tears but if you build your Life on the rock—you've got a solid foundation for life and beyond. Trusting Jesus gives you a solid foundation for life. And so ends the Sermon on the Mount. And it turns out that the group of messiahs, uh, the group, group of disciples, the group of disciples there has now swirled into crowds who have gathered around to hear the Messiah. And this is their reaction: the last two verses. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. They were amazed at his teaching. And not just because of his teaching, but because how it compared to others who were religious teachers at the time. Because Jesus' teaching was with real authority. He was the real deal. They heard his preaching and said, he's the man. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? The first century Jews who heard Jesus' words were amazed at his teaching. And they recognised that he spoke with the authority of the Messiah. They were blessed because they were alive at the time that the new light Adorned. And those who recognised his authority were amazed. But they couldn't just stand in amazement. They would have to take his words seriously. And throughout today's chapter, Jesus has made it clear that his hearers needed to be discerning. They needed to judge what they heard from the teachers of God's law. They mustn't be judgmental, but they must be discerning. Because not all teachers of God's word are to be trusted. Some will bear false fruit and they'll lead their followers astray. But if we are wise, we will put our trust in Jesus and his word. And Jesus has given us all the challenge today. Will we choose to follow him or not? Because there are two ways to live. There are two ways to live, you can live the way of the wide road that leads to destruction, or you can live the way of the narrow road that leads to life. We can build our life on the rock that is Jesus, or we can build our life on the sand that will not stand up to the test of judgment day. But whatever you do, you you can't sit on the fence there are only two ways to live. Follow Jesus as your loving ruler and enjoy eternal life with him in his kingdom. Or ignore Jesus as your rightful ruler and suffer eternal punishment in hell. As Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Have you made the choice to follow Jesus? Do you want to ask, seek and knock so that you can be welcomed in by your heavenly father. Well, here's a short prayer that I've written that you might like to say to God. Let me read it for you first so that you can decide if, if it's what you want to say. It says this. Heavenly father, sorry I've rejected your loving rule and I've lived for myself. Thank you that Jesus died to take the punishment I deserve. Please help me to follow you now and into eternity. Amen. It's just a short prayer. I've used some of the words and the ideas of Matthew chapter 7 and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. If you would like to enter God's kingdom, you can do so just by praying that prayer and meaning it. And if you're already in God's kingdom as many of you are, I'm sure, then it's a prayer you can pray to continue to ask for God's forgiveness and assurance. But if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not 100% sure that you've crossed the line, that you have, have gone inside that open door, that narrow door, but the open door to the kingdom of heaven, if you're not sure, why don't you do it now? I'm going to say one line. I'm then going to leave a gap long enough for you to say those very words you might want to say them out loud maybe you're in a room with people and why don't let why you let them hear you say it out loud or maybe you might just want to say it quietly in your heart it doesn't matter but if you want to become a follower of jesus if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven then why don't you pray this now heavenly father Sorry, I have rejected your loving rule and have lived for myself. Thank you that Jesus died to take the punishment I deserve. Please help me to follow you now and into eternity. Amen.